0: So before we start this next song, it's called The Blessing, and it, it was written not so much as a worship song, but as a prayer. And as we go into this new series about marriage and generational relationships, we want to sing this song as a prayer over the congregation as we lead into this new series. If you know the song, sing with us. If you want to sit down and pray while we sing it. Uh, Feel free to praise how you feel.
1: about generations and generations to come. As you know, that's our theme here at this church, but it's hard for us to remember that in the midst of the battles that we're often having every day in relationships in our lives. So I hope that you will enjoy this time that we have together. You may be seated. If you're a guest here today, we're so glad that you're here. Tonight will be a little different uh, than most, so I hope that you enjoy it. Also, if you're a guest here, make sure you drop by the Connection Center. We have a gift for you. We would love uh, to give it to you. We're so grateful that you would be, uh, honor us with your presence. And so I heard something. Oh, people cry, creeping in behind me. I can see something already I'm going to have to fix. This is going to be hilarious, guys. We're going to have our first lesson in marriage and relationships here in just a second. <laughs> but some of the things you guys need to know of that's happening, first of all, uh, this Sunday, after the service, we're going to be celebrating. What's wrong with it? It's not you. I promise you. Oh. But a rag would be nice. Yeah. That's a hint. I know what it is. Yes, baby. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, let's get back to track. This Sunday, after the church service, we're going to be celebrating Glenn's 43 years of of ministry here. We're going to have a full meal back in the big gym. We want you guys to come celebrate his ministry here. He's he's not retiring. He's just moving on to a better place Uh, down in Virginia. He's got a great opportunity. We are so excited about what he gets to do. He's going to be involved in helping churches in this new political environment that we're in uh, through Liberty University. I'm telling you what, it is going to be incredible what he gets to do and the empower and the influence that he's going to have. And to think that he came from this. This church. I think of Dr. Prevo down there running the biggest Christian uh, college in the world, and I think about Glenn being down there working on politics. I think to myself, I like Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it that much, though. I don't like it that much, but uh, we're going to be celebrating that. Also, uh, baptism <laughs> class. <laughs> you know, don't do that. That was my job. I was going to do it. No, I no, no, no. You. Don't do it. I'm doing don't do it. You just ruined my illustration. Just ruined it. Just throw it out the window. <laughs> <am> I <laughs> now he's just, dis- yeah, now you're, I'm doing it. oh man. <laughs> Baptism class. We have several that have gotten baptized saved in the last month or two. So we have baptism class in in room 101 at 10 a.m. If you want to get more information about baptism, please show up to that. Also, we have Jeff Deo is coming in to work with our worship team on Saturday, and he's going to stick around and help us lead worship on Sunday. Jeff Deo, if you don't know, throw you back a few years. Sonic Flood lead singer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyway, so he's going to be here on Sunday. uh, So I just wanted to let you know that it's going to be a big day. And last of all, the app. If you haven't downloaded the app, please do so. I believe my daughter said that even the notes tonight are on the app that you can follow along on that. So download the app. Make sure you also pick up notifications. All you parents that have kids, make sure you download the app and click notifications for kids so you can hear all the things that those guys are doing. Kids program is going uh, they're doing so much this summer, it's incredible. So be involved in all of that. Well, honey, let's go. You, you were supposed to be moving up there. I was giving you extra time while I was uh, talking. Nope. Nope, no offering, no nothing. <laughs> Did Joel clean my spot? I'm so sorry. I was thinking in my mind when I took those out of the truck, that's really filthy. And then I thought when I was singing, my wife is going to be like, honey, why did you do that? <laughs> and then I was thinking, oh, that's awkward. To have to but clean But it them. was going to be an opportunity for me to actually serve and say, see, I, I'm not too proud to.
2: Clean the chairs. Dust,
1: although I'm not sure he passed the test <laughs> of what that would be legitimately clean for. He tried. He tried. He, he, he attempted.
2: I'm surprised he thought of it.
1: Well, I. I that was good. I kind of told him what it was. Oh, okay. Okay. See, I've learned. I know these things. Well, guys, we're really excited to uh, talk to you guys about marriage and relationships. Not that we have a perfect marriage. We certainly don't have one of those. Don't think for a moment that's true. Uh, But we are excited. And one of the things that we're going to be doing this year throughout our church is we are starting a program called Prepare and Enrich. We are training right now counselors and leaders and mentors that are going to be available for you as a church, as a marriage couple, to uh, go through an assessment that will truly, I believe, help your relationships. Uh, Crystal and I have already done it, and we are really wanting our entire church to go through it because I feel like this is important. I think that healthy uh, families and healthy healthy relationships are imperative, and I believe nobody's marriage is so perfect that they should not invest in that, and you're going to hear a little bit about that tonight.
2: Yeah. So, the prepare part is for those who would be um, coming to it. And enriching yes. is
1: coaching. Yeah, so that. prepare is, yeah, not the preparing it covers both. So, so if you're if
2: intimidating, it sounds like counseling is intimidating yeah, kind it's of not that. coaching.
1: There you go, coaching. life coaching through marriage. Yeah. That sounds better. Sign up. Every man should be signing up.
2: <laughs> well, coaching, men, men coach. They like that thought, right? Yeah.
1: Kinda. Unless okay. they're being coached, then they don't like it. But in their coaching, they like that part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Ah. Um well I just would like to take just a super fast quick second to say happy birthday to my father. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> um yes. And um to well, um, mom and dad have been married um like sixty one years. So Yes, yes. So while um, Ron and I are on 32, Mom and Dad have us way beat. So anyhow, thanks, Mom and Dad, for being a great example, and happy birthday, Dad. Um, When we decided we were going to do this series, it was probably about eight weeks ago, and I really started praying and just asking God, Lord, would you just show up big? Would you just show up in a way that would just transform our church? Because we know that when you are in strong relationships, as Ron said, um, we just it makes for a strong body of believers living together. And um, so I just said, Lord, you know, show up big, do something great, show yourself in a way that we just couldn't even imagine, and would you start with us? And um, as many of you know, I had a heart attack two and a half weeks ago, and so I was like, wow, I guess maybe I kind of prayed for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, I just am excited to see what God is going to do through all of this. I know he's already working in us, and I hope you guys are excited to see what God is going to do in you um, through all of this. One of the things that we want to be able to do during this time is have a format where if we talk about something, so just a little confession, um, last night Ron's like, Crystal, you have 22 pages of notes. (laughs) like, uh, we don't have enough time for this. And I'm like, I know. So listen, I'm going to have to tell you guys, we're going to hit on things and we'll maybe throw out a thought. If it's something that applied to you and a relationship that you have, or you wanted more information about it, we want you to be able to email us at marriage at and ask your question and we would be happy to address it. If it's something you'd like to address privately, I can email it back. But if it's something you're like, you know what, I'd like to hear a reply, you know, we would would do that. So just please know that we'd like that to be something that you would um, uh, have available to you. So the other thing is, um, while this is a marriage series, we are calling it a marriage series, we really want you to know it is a relationship series. So for those who are single, you know married friends, but you also have coworkers, siblings, um, bosses, parents. You have relationships that you know that you would probably like to see a little bit better as well. So, um, please, if you hear somebody say, oh, "I'm single. I'm not going to go to it," just encourage them. It is a marriage series, but there's a lot of tips for relationships. So, our hope is that you would um, glean from it, no matter what what relationships you're in.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get started. And I, I, we can't really go into marriage and all the issues of marriage without this very first topic. And many of you in the house are going to say, oh, I've heard that all before and I know that. And I just want you to know in advance, we're not going to tell you anything you haven't heard before. Uh, I promise you, I'm, you I, you've probably heard it. My wife says, no, people don't hear this. But I'm just telling you, probably you're going to say, oh, I've heard that, I've heard that. And this first thing you've probably heard, I'm sure you have heard the reality. Uh, of relationships and marriage starts with this though and and for our marriage and our relationship we would have to say this is the fundamental of all fundamentals and, and that is this this idea that our faith or our faith in christ is the absolute bedrock of all things relationship god was the creator of you and i He was the one who made us. He's the one who designed the relationship from the beginning. Think about this. God creates Adam and Eve, and he does it on purpose. And his role and his purpose for our lives is what the perfect union is. And so I I want you guys to know that. I want you to understand something that Christian, the Christian life, and so many people in the world today that call themselves Christians, or, or they think they're good people, or they pray to prayer, or they live a good life. They think that that's enough for them to really have a great relationship. And so I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. The greater your commitment to Christ and the greater and the more clarity you have in your desire to make him number one in your life will result in the greatest production of the greatest marriage in all Humanity—that is what it is. Our relationship with Christ builds our relationship with one another. It can't be done any other way. And so, um, I think about two Corinthians five seventeen. Honey, what? It,
2: yeah, it says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away; behold, the new has come." So, an internal change takes place in those who believe, and this internal change produces external um,
1: actions. Absolutely. The idea of radical change. You know, most people get saved and, and at a young age, if you got saved at a young age, you think to yourself, I just don't remember the change that happened in my life or I don't remember uh, what happened after I got saved. It's, I've been always saved. I want you to know something that your salvation should radically transform you, who you are. And the test is not what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. The, the question you should be asking yourself is right now in my life, am I radically transformed from the normal? Am I somebody completely different? Have I been transformed by the gospel? We know this is found in these external actions because we find them in Galatians chapter 5:22, and we read them on Sunday. It says, "This the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with their passions and desires." So when we start reading these verses and we ta- start talking about salvation, we, we start talking about what it looks like to be a believer, it's going to radically transform your thinking when it comes to your relationship because it is, again, the bedrock of everything we believe. If these response responses aren't pouring out of us, we have to ask ourselves, is Christ in us? In other words, this is not a, a representation of the overall arching, our overall arching lives then maybe we need to reflect. Maybe we need to spend a moment and just ask ourselves, why is that? What is it about our lives that are not bubbling out with these kind of things?
2: Yeah. Um, So the next passage is Matthew 7, 17 through 20. And it says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Mm. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So the question is, does your life bear the fruit of being a Christ follower?
1: Yeah. Christ followers aren't slaves to sin either. Not only do we bear fruit, but you're going to find that as you're going through the sanctification process of your faith, you should be finding yourself weaning yourself away from sin. A lot of times we find ourselves struggling with our marriages because we're, we're playing and living in a previous life. We're finding ourselves keeping a sin or holding on to a sin instead of, uh, instead of getting rid of our sin. Romans 6.17 says this, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves to righteousness. One of the things that we're finding in in couples that we're counseling and in our own relationships, when we're fighting and battling our own sin war, it hurts and affects our relationship in in our marriages. And this is why it's so important. You have to ask yourself, are you a slave to to righteousness? Are you still finding yourself bound or under a slave to sin? This is a great question. Remember, you are a new creation. You have been set free from anger, hate, selfishness, pride, And you are a slave to righteousness, this idea of love, kindness, selflessness, and humility.
2: Yes. So another passage that comes to my mind is Luke 9.23. It's where um, Jesus says to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So in your relationships, do you die to yourself daily to live for him and love others as Christ loves others?
1: Yeah, and that reminds us of John chapter 1 and verse 7 when we talk about relationships and fellowship. It says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. In other words, as our relationship with Christ is solid and confirmed and we're practicing what that looks like, we have fellowship with one another. We're not in strife. Uh, And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. so when we're talking about relationships, before we get into the nitty-gritty of, hey, you did this and I did that and you did this and, you know, this blame game, you need to ask yourself... Am I walking in the light? Am I finding myself here?
2: Um, I love the book of 1 John because it definitely is one of those books that you can just read it and ask yourself and reflect on your Christian walk. And so First John 3, 19 um, through uh, verse 24 says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. that we believe in the name of the Son of, God, of Jesus Christ and we love one another. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, which, of course, we talked about abiding on Sunday. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And it's that spirit that, that helps us in our marriages when, when we want to lash out and be in the flesh. It's the spirit that we can respond in. So um, do people know you are a believer by the love that you have for those who are around you.
1: Yeah, and and another thing that I really think that a lot of couples and and a lot of people who have played church that you're going to run into in life that say, well, I I prayed a prayer or I'm a Christian or I went to church when I was a kid, this idea of knowing the truth. You know, everyone in this room knows whether you're a Christian or not. I'm not your judge. God is your judge. But you know. And and what's great about 1 John is he makes these statements, you know, and we're going to read a couple of them, that you know your salvation. You know whether it's true or not. You know whether you're playing a game or whether you're living a lie. And that's the same in our relationships with each other. Notice this in 1 John 2, 3, it says this, By this we may know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whosoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know. Again, this word we may know that we are in him. Whosoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked.
2: So, um, and then the next passage is is quite a lengthy passage, but. Even as I read it, um, it, it has those that we may know emphasize, emphasize throughout it. But um, let's just read this whole passage together. It's 1 John 4, 7. It starts in verse uh, 7. It goes through the end of the chapter. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Mm -hmm. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And somehow, when we hear that, love one another, somehow at times it doesn't seem like it means our spouse. So really just be thinking about somebody in your life as we continue through this passage. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Hear this, this phrase, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God His spouse, his co-worker, his sibling, etc.
1: You know, we read over verse 20 uh, so many times. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You know, so often we try to justify our actions and say, well, you know, they deserve it. Or I don't really hate them, right? This is what we say. I, you know, I just don't like them very much. That's, a, that's an easy one for us to say. Or, you know, they, they just don't deserve my utmost forgiveness or my love. This passage is so powerful because it just sets the tone as we start talking about relationships and and it just makes crystal clarity that the battles that we're having are, are not of God. The stresses that we're having are not from God. The things that we're dealing with they're not from God. God is love and he wants us to represent him in a picture of that love and the battle that we're having oftentimes is not with our spouse at all. The battle we're having is with God. That's where the war is at, because we just don't want to submit to who God is. We want to have it our way, and we want to make sure we have Lord over our spouse, because we want to be in control. In light of these verses, I, I want to just think for a moment. I want, we're going to take just a second of examination. I want you to examine your own heart and ask yourself, do you really consider what God has said about your life in your relationship with him as the pinnacle and most important thing that dictates all other relationship issues? Have you taken a time to give your life to Christ? We're gonna just take a moment, play some music, and allow you and your wife or your spouse or yourself just to spend some time in prayer and evaluate and examine your question. Do you need to repent of something right now before we get started? Do you need to reflect on something that God is convicting you of that you know is there, but you need to get Rid of it. Some of you that are believers and solid in your relationships, you need to be praying a prayer of rejoicing that God has transformed who you are in your life. Some of you in this house have never given your life to Christ. And, and right now, this would be a great time. We would love it. It would be incredible if you would just commit yourself right now tonight and give your life to Christ. But before we get into relationships, before we get into other things that we think relationship solving is, we've got to settle this one thing. So while they play some music and and while we just take a moment, let's just spend some time in prayer for about two or three minutes and just ask God in this series if he'll just reveal to you areas in which you find yourself not being loving. Or maybe you you need to say, you know what, I've never given my life to Christ. And so we're just going to do that right here on the spot, two or three minutes. We want you guys to be praying for this conference and for each other. be here tonight Lord to open your word Lord to encourage others Lord we know this there's not a marriage in the house tonight you cannot heal there's not a marriage in the house tonight you can't make more excellent Lord every single person in this room can experience you in a more fuller way and enjoy the reward of a relationship in marriage so much more Father, I pray that we will open our hearts and our minds and stop being stubborn and hard in our ways. And Lord, just listen to the truth that your Bible, your word has to share with us. We thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Well, every pastor knows that strong relationships make strong churches. One of the problems that we're having in America today is that we're seeing church after church after church after church failing. And it's, a, it's really a picture of what's happening in the home. In other words, if the home is healthy, the churches are healthy. They're, you're watching a reflection of a decaying family show up in the church. We also know that strong marriages impact generations to come. Generations after generations after generations are impacted in how healthy and how strong marriages are. And we're seeing Satan take advantage of that and destroy generations and generations, generations through this. But we also know this. We know strong marriages make lasting impacts in our community. So all of us, as we're struggling right now in COVID, we're struggling with our political environment. We're struggling with what's happening in our city The reality is much of that has to do with men and women. Marriages, not valuing what God values, not valuing what's important, not investing in what is true and letting someone else do their job for them and therefore playing it on what we would call, I would call autopilot. And that's what most relationships that get into trouble do. They they start and then they get into trouble. Autopilot. You see, when I'm strong, my marriage is strong. When my marriage is strong, uh, I, I make more effort and give more energy to the mission that God has given in my life. When my mission is at its fullest potential, my church is reward, rewarded by the efforts in which I can contribute. And when my church is thriving and working on all cylinders, the impact in the community is felt for generations and generations. And that's what I need you to understand. We can't make change outside these walls until we make changes inside our hearts. We have to decide that we're going to be a church that builds our lives on relationships, whether that's marriage relationships, whether that's relationships with one another. That's what we want to do. You see, when our marriages are under stress, you know and I know we live under stress. Our work is less productive, our ministry is a distraction. Our churches is impacted in a a negative way, especially if our finances are in trouble or our time is busy. And then our community pays the price. And that's not even to bring up the cost that we make to our children.
2: Yeah. So we just really want to acknowledge that there are people who are sitting here tonight as we start all of this. Um, You're in a good place in your relationship. Um, And you just are like, hey, I just want this good relationship to get better. Some of you are maybe sitting here and you're like, wow, our relationship is really struggling. And you might even be in crisis. Um, there's some who maybe you're living together and you're like, hmm, let's, let's just be a part of this series. But you are living together. Um, maybe there's some who are in a second or third marriage and you're just hoping that this marriage doesn't fail. Um, there's maybe even some who are by themselves tonight because their spouse refused to come or just will not do anything related to getting marriage help. Um, and maybe even some who are sitting here who have a spouse who is not saved. and in every one of these situations, they are very real situations, and we know that um, and I just uh, my encouragement is that you not give up, especially if you have a spouse who is not saved. Your home um, becomes more of a mission field, and at times you maybe feel like the rejection of Jesus Christ is a rejection of you. Um, and we, we cannot change that unsaved spouse or the situation that you are in. But I would point you to the passage in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And that is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Um, and that's his promise. And I, I love to pray the promises of God because I know that when I am praying scripture, it is his will completely. And so I just, I encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Keep praying and just say, Lord, I will trust you. And I will trust my spouse or whichever relationship you're in to you. So
1: yeah, and I think that. that, yeah, that's good. The, the idea again of these passages, as we read them together, and we know that the word is true and we know that it is God's word Most of us in the room, when we find ourselves here, we really want to say, but that's not my story. And I I want you to really try your very best to not do that. Try not to say, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but. Those words, those three letters stop us from doing so many things. I want you to just hear what the word, the truth is, okay? Hear the truth And decide whether you are going to follow the truth or you are going to believe a lie. You see, all these relationships Crystal referred to describe someone's reality. Okay? Someone's reality. Everyone in this room has a reality. You're living it, right? I mean, you're like, hey, I know my reality and it's this. But what we're going to talk about today is God's reality. We want you to strive for God's reality because that's the reality that has this eternal reward that you and I will reap the rewards of here on earth. So, this idea of relationships, what are they? What is God's reality? God's reality is that your relationship is is a man and a woman in a covenant relationship for a lifetime. That's what he's expecting. The idea of this person is expecting oneness through sexual intimacy until death parts us. Enjoying love and respect. This is what God's desire is. Expressing a picture of Christ's devotion to the church and the church's devotion to God. This marriage picture is this image to the entire world of this incredible love relationship between Jesus and his bride. So this idea of intimacy, this idea of love and respect, and this idea of that is found here in this image of God and uh, his church. But the truth is this, a marriage that changes generations must aspire to excellence. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Must aspire to excellence. excellence. First Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his glory And his excellence. We have been called to this godliness, this excellence in life. That's why I'm always telling our church and and you guys, listen, we should be the epitome of the greatest workers, the greatest husbands, the greatest wives, the greatest fathers, the greatest example the world can see. Because we have been called to God's perfect excellence. That's our goal. That's where we're trying to. Yeah,
2: and I think something that I just want to challenge everybody with on that is, like Ron had mentioned, you can never go on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Every single day you have to wake up with the same fire and tenacity to have great relationships, to have a great marriage that Satan has to destroy your marriage. Because he is methodically every day, every opportunity, wanting to destroy your relationships. And so that fervor that he has to destroy your relationships, that's what you have to wake up with that fire under you to say, I am waking up to him this morning and I desire to be the best daughter of a king man, whatever. I'm a daughter. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm
1: a son. son. You're a son.
2: I'm a daughter of the king. I want to be the best wife I can be. I want to be the best mom I can be. And with the Lord's help, I will purpose. So it's, it's a whole mind shift of, I want to live intentional. I want to have a great marriage. And that's, that's what I actually tell myself all the time. I have a great marriage because that's what I want to have. So even if I don't, that's what I want to have. I do have a good marriage. It may sound like I did. Yeah, I
3: was going to say. But <laughs> even
2: when I'm struggling. <laughs> and for many of you, you also know that, um, like, my license plate says, I love Ron. Like, I, I want to be reminded that I love him. <laughs> um, my phone, when it rings, says, my love in whom I delight doing for. Because, he usually calls me if he needs something. <laughs> <laughs> but the point just is, we want to encourage you to think excellent. And the way you start thinking excellent is you wake up every morning with purpose to have an excellent relationship.
1: Absolutely. See, excellence requires work. Okay? It, it just It just does. If you want to be excellent at anything, any craft, any skill set, it requires work. It just doesn't come natural. It's just not like, hey, we got it all together. We have it figured out. And marriage is no different. And I can remember when I was early in my marriage and I was completely happy with acceptable. I was. I, I had set a few rules in the house. Um, hopefully there's not too many young years in here, but I told my wife when we were early in our marriage, I just said, you know, as long as I, uh, I get sex whenever I want it um, and uh, that's about it, we're good.
2: <laughs> you gave me permission. You said the house doesn't have to be clean. I said
1: the laundry is irrelevant. The dishes are irrelevant. The vacuuming is irrelevant. We will have no problems. Zero. We will float through on life. Everything will be good. It worked for a month. No, just joking, <laughs> kidding. But then uh, all of a sudden, I realized how much work this, this marriage was gonna be, the excellence, the idea of excellence. And, and I, I realized, why? Why is it that I needed to have an excellent marriage? What, why does it matter so much? And we're gonna kind of dive into that. But the, this first idea is this, because excellence casts a God vision for future generations and marriages. One of the reasons why it's so important that you have an excellent marriage has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the power that you have to influence others and to be a shining light for someone else to see Jesus. And and we're gonna talk a little bit about that. I also realized that, men that... Excellence in marriage starts with this husband and wife building their life on the Bible, like we just talked, and, and, and people who are passionately following Jesus. In other words, it all of a sudden started to make sense to me, like, if I want to have an excellent marriage, then I need to make sure that my, my life is about Christ. I'm going to live for Christ in such a way that my wife is going to be naturally drawn to me because of my desire to serve God. It's a natural connection. It's something that ladies are drawn to because men, they are ladies that are looking for men to be leaders. That's what you have been designed to be. And so when you do that, when you find yourself here, uh, you find yourself influencing and making an impact in generations and generations. Now, listen, what you need to understand is this, good or bad, your marriage is going to be a vision for some generation. Good or bad. It doesn't really matter whether you choose excellence or not. Whatever you choose, that's what you're going to pass to the next generation. And so if you're wondering why sometimes your kids may be struggling or your grandkids are struggling or someone else is struggling or you're seeing someone else struggle, I can just tell you right now, a lot of times that is a picture of our commitment to be that picture and that example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. All right? So... We're gonna show this video. Uh, We had a guy that actually sent us a video and told us a little bit about our relationship when we were younger. We wanna watch that right now.
0: Hey everyone, my name's Brian Buford and I grew up at ABT and I found out that you guys are in a series about how marriage changes generations. And I wanted to share a little bit about my experience with how Ron and Crystal's marriage has shaped, uh, has shaped my marriage and has had an effect on not only me and my kids, but also people around me. Uh, like I said, I grew up at ABT. Uh, my dad died when I was seven. I started going to ABT when I was in the fourth grade. Um, and then I started going to ACS uh, in the seventh grade. And I remember it was either ninth or 10th grade when Ron became the youth pastor. And he kind of told me his backstory um, and, said, and, and offered to me essentially that, hey, my house is always open. Uh, we're never going to change what our family is doing. You're just going to be a part of it. And so I thought that was cool. And so once I had my license, I remember driving over there all the time, random times. Uh, Sometimes we would do fun stuff. Like I remember uh, there was a time where me and Sean LeBaron and Britton Giroux brought over steaks and Ron taught us how to cook uh, a good steak. Apparently I was cooking it all the wrong way and I was using ketchup. A real steak, a good steak doesn't need anything. Right, Ron? And so uh, other times we would make milkshakes or sometimes I'd play some random snowboarding game with Calvin while the girls were making up dance moves in the back room. Uh, Sometimes we were doing like yard work or housework or hanging cabinets or ripping up tile in another room or something. Uh, I remember I had this nasty old car that... I took to Ron hoping that he would fix it, but instead he just pointed at what to fix and told me to fix it myself. Um, So I remember just all these random things happening. And when I was in the moment, I didn't know that I was learning um, what a biblical marriage looks like. I didn't have that in my home. It was just me and my mom and she did great, but I didn't get to see what a biblical marriage looked like at all. And so it wasn't until Uh, Actually, almost 12 years later, uh, I remember meeting Ron and Crystal in New York City. Uh, I'm in Boston now. We met them in New York City for Thanksgiving one year. We hung out for the day. Um, The next day, uh, Christy and I found out that that we were going to have our first child. And I remember I was freaked out because I didn't know if I could be a good dad. I never had a good dad at home. And Christy was the one that actually reminded me that, hey, everything that you saw Ron do, just do that. And so even though when I was a teenager, I didn't have like a notebook and I was taking notes of everything, I was soaking it all in. And so now 20 years later, right, uh, the example that Ron and Crystal gave me is having an effect not only on me, Um, but it, it really created a vision for me to see what a biblical marriage looked like. And so that's how we're structuring our whole family. How we're doing family devotions is based on how I saw Ron and Crystal do family devotions. How we handle conflict is based on how I saw Ron and Crystal handle conflict and discipline and all those other things. Um, and so now just a quick story, there's several people in our church, uh, that we've got to do marriage counseling with, right? And I get to share the example of Ron and Crystal with them, right? So Ron and Crystal didn't even know them. And 20 years later, that example that I had for just a few short years is having an effect on people they've never even met in Boston, right? Our next door neighbors, uh, they're not even Christians, but they're curious. They're spiritually curious now because they see how me and Christy relate to each other, how we relate to our kids. And they're asking us questions about God because of the marriage that they see between me and Christy. And so, uh, I just encourage you, if you're in the series that, uh, I would encourage you to, to pursue a healthy biblical marriage. Uh, you don't know who's watching and you don't know that maybe 20 years from now, your example is going to have an effect on someone and change multiple generations years from now. Um, so, yeah, I just encourage you to fight for a biblical marriage. Uh, and thank you, Ron and Crystal, for letting me share this story.
1: Amen, Brian. What a character that guy was in my house. <laughs> I don't remember many of those moments.
2: I, I remember his car.
1: Well, his I car remember that they, always,
2: that they always had to take right turns, if I remember correctly, because his car didn't turn. So they always had to figure out how to get yeah. somewhere. Anyhow, yeah, keep going. The fact
1: that he made it to the house is amazing. It's <laughs> <an> absolutely incredible. <laughs> Well, our desire is for you to obviously cast an incredibly good vision. Uh, We want to have a church full of vision casters, Mm -hmm. impactors for generations and generations. You see, we're called to be ambassadors to Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. In other words, God presenting himself through you and I. We implore you on, uh, on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. This is, this is the image that we're wanting. This is why it's so important for us this very first night just to set the standard of what it means for us to give our lives to Christ and for us to live our lives because the purpose is to reflect who Jesus is. See, our marriages should make others believe that there is a God. I mean, let's just face it. <laughs> If people saw the real struggle that you had and the way in which you handle it, they are all taken back. They are like, you did what? You said what? You forgave what? I mean, they don't even know how to handle that in the world. All the world wants to do is yell and scream and hold a a catalog card file of all things negative. That's why marriages don't last. That's why people aren't getting married until they are 30 and 35 years old. Well, there's one of the reasons. Uh, But the truth is, we find ourselves here and we find ourselves asking the question, are we all about using the tool marriage to pass on to the next generation who Jesus Christ is? Matthew 5.16 says this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven.
2: Um, I think the next point that we really want to emphasize is a marriage that changes generations has individuals who find their identity in Christ. So while you are a married couple, you are still an individual. Um, while you are in a relationship, there's still more than one of you, if there's co-workers, whatever. But um, the idea is that you, as an individual, find your um, identity in Christ. And I feel like women maybe struggle with this a little bit more, but I also have friends who talk about, you know, my, hun- my husband has become such an angry man, or just different things that make, you know, you kind of think and reflect, wow, where has it- his identity been lost? Um, but I want you to think of this thought, Most marriage problems are God problems. Where are we getting our identity? Um, We can spend so much time thinking about a broken relationship that we have and how to fix it, and we wonder why it never changes. Like, I try this, I try that, and it always seems to just be broken, um, hurting, struggling, never seems to be what you were hoping that it could be. Um, So... I think what you have to do is say, um, I will prioritize my life with Jesus Christ. Um, It's a fundamental shift in your thinking because if you make the effort to say, who I am in Christ will transform my entire relationship or my entire marriage, you are free to let that other person be who they are. Because you are not working on them, you are working on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is something that you can control. Um, and again, every relationship that you have improves when you improve your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm hoping Peter performed miracles for me tonight. Peter, did we get the triangle? Oh, good job. Thank you, Peter. Um, I think many of us have seen this picture where God is at the top and a husband and wife are in each corner. Um, And as we draw closer to the Lord, we draw closer to each other. Um, And truly, until we draw closer to the Lord, the the broken, wounded, needy person that we are sits down in this bottom corner, um, distant from our husband, distant from the Lord. Um, So, I want you to think of this. Look at a relationship Um, many do look at a relationship as a means to get your desires met instead of a way to glorify God. And again, if you look at your relationship that way, like how am I going to get my desires met, then you put a lot of pressure on another person. And um, I, I can just say, first of all, 2020 was a tough year. We were... You know, less than a year into um, Ron being the pastor, um, we started off the year and said, we have been remodeling our house for five years. It's never going to get done. (laughs) Um, We need help. So, 2020, we started remodeling uh, in January. In February, um, we got word that Ron's adopted mom was, you know, at the end of her life. And we only had two weeks with her, and she passed away. Um, We got home. We're still remodeling. March came, COVID really hit in lockdowns. We're still remodeling. <laughs> um, then uh, the church, a lot of decisions with the church, you know, do we open, do we close? How do we handle this pandemic? Um, we're still remodeling. Many of you know we commercial fish and uh, that we had that and we're still remodeling. <laughs> I think you get where this is going. Like remodeling was a really tough season. I'm glad it happened in year 32 because... We might not have made it (laughs) if it would have happened in a year prior. But, you know, then we had our fifth grandbaby born. So exciting, but we're still remodeling. And we have a family vacation that's canceled, and we're still remodeling. And we have another grandbaby born. And lots of good things, but lots of really tough things. And we got to a point toward the end of the year, and um, I was whining again at Ron. And he finally just looked at me, and just totally called me out. And he said, Crystal... This is not my fault. <laughs> and and I realized that I, I just really had to step back and realize, wow, I have spent a year going through some really tough things that were just gnawing at us and all this on and on and on. What had happened with my relationship with the Lord? And I had started to blame Ron for everything. Like Having to wear a mask somewhere or people wanting you to wear a mask, that was Ron's fault. Like, I'd come home from the (laughs) store totally frustrated, and I would, like, be venting completely at him. And he's like, okay, but that's not my fault. (laughs) Um, As if he could control it or, you know, on the third time that something that had been built was being torn down again, and I'd be hollering at him about it, and he'd be like, that's not my fault. Um... But he just really called me out, and I think that's what happens. We we lose our identity with Christ. We fail to grow our relationship with Jesus Christ, and so we blame our spouse for everything. Like everything becomes their fault, um, and it's it's just not fair. And I say it now, and I laugh, and I think that was so ridiculous of me, but it's what I was doing because I was not spending the time that I needed to um, in my relationship with the Lord. Um, so. I just want to say, it is not our husband's responsibility to make us happy. It's just not. Amen
1: and, said. <laughs> Amen. Whew, you heard that. It's on record. It's recorded.
2: <laughs> and and it's, it's what we can kind of tend to do when we are not looking to the Lord for, for our identity. Um, and it's just, it's just not fair. It, it's also not fair for the men to do it to the women, but uh, maybe you guys do it a little less. I don't know. Hmm. Um, But um, (laughs) Jesus is the only one who is going to meet our needs. And um, when we know who we are in Christ, again, our spouse and the people around us are free to be who they are. And we can commit them to the Lord and pray for them. But they don't have to be the person who is um, meeting all of our needs. So as we lay this foundation um, for marriage, as we continue to talk, and I told Ron, I said, in ways I feel like this week is kind of like we're just trying to lay a foundation and a lot of this is not the nitty-gritty, although you did mention about the sex thing. I was kind of surprised you said that. That was kind of honest. Anyhow. Um,
1: I have been known <laughs> to be blunt.
2: <laughs> you, yeah. Um, As we lay the foundation for our marriages, one of the real issues is, how satisfied are you in Christ? And that's why we wanted to start with salvation, because until you are satisfied with who you are in Christ and the work that Christ is doing in you and how you rely on him to help relationships, relationships that hurt, that are frustrating, um, you're just going to struggle. So again, you will improve your marriage when you improve your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I find that very freeing truly, that I can improve my marriage when I improve my relationship with Jesus. And I'm a little bit of a control type of person. No. (laughs) I am, but I want this, Craig Groeschel has a saying that says, you can have control or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. And so, what you can control is your relationship and your growth with the Lord Jesus Christ and say, that is what I'm going to focus on. Um, So we're going to give you all kinds of strategies for communication, conflict resolution, intimacy, finances, all of those kind of things um, as we go through this series. But first and foremost, please know that your growing relationship with Jesus Christ is what you can control and is what you can choose to focus on. And we encourage you to, to think about that when you think about your identity in
1: Christ. Absolutely. Men, we're no different. The truth is, we oftentimes blame our wives for the relationship that we're having because our identity actually is in our wives as well. We, we find ourselves here. I don't know about you, but I grew up again with, a, with the single mom scenario with my parents both dying and my, my mom who had me, uh, took care of me through high school. And I found myself needing a girlfriend. I had to have a girl who just said, hey, I like you. You're, you're good enough. You, you've made it. And so it became a crutch for me, really, because I was looking to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to hear you're the man. I mean, I didn't want to be judged. I wanted to be known. And the truth is, we do that, men. Instead of finding our identity that we are complete and whole and loved in Christ, and we don't need anything else to fill that hole in our hearts, but yet at the same time, we're trying to get from our wives. And so we turn to sex and we think sex is going to do it and it doesn't, it, it doesn't last. And we find ourselves trying to get our significance and, and then our wives get to know who we really are and we know that doesn't last. And, and so all of a sudden we find ourselves struggling because we're not getting what we thought we were going to get. We thought we were going to come home and we were the king of all kings and, and we were the man of all men and, and there's nothing we can do wrong. And we come home and we sit on the couch and she's just so grateful we walk through the door. It doesn't work like that. But yet at the same time, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for someone who will just say, you're good enough. Men, the only one who knows that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who says, I created you. I know you. I love you. I have a plan for you. I'm the one who gives you value. I'm the one who gives you your very existence. Trust in me. Put all that on me. Take that out of your marriage and enjoy the creation of marriage that I've given you free from all that bondage. That is what God has called us to do.
2: Yeah, we only correct you because we Mm -hmm. want to connect with you. And you just don't see it that way. That's what the problem
1: is. (laughs) That's what it was. (laughs) I forgot that line on purpose so you wouldn't say that. Because that's what happens, right, man? We get so. Well, that's what you
2: always blame me for. You're always trying to correct me, and I'm just like I'm just trying to improve you. Yes. Ladies. The answer is yes. yes. Yeah. Like yes. We just there's a good version of you. There's a better excellence. We're trying to help you be excellent. There you go.
1: (laughs) And we all need a coach.
2: Right. (laughs) And we signed up to be that. And here it is, right here. That's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what happens to us, men, when we find ourselves there? When we find ourselves trying to get our identity from our relationship. All of a sudden, we find ourselves angry. We're depressed. We're frustrated. We feel disrespected. I mean, we turn to all kinds of things when our wife doesn't do it. Instead of turning to Christ, we turn to hobbies. We turn to pornography. We turn to whatever. You network. I mean, anything and everything that can fill that hole that somebody would say, hey, you're you're doing a great job, or hey, you look good, or hey, you're the man, right? We'll turn anywhere and everywhere except for God. Because in our minds, God's just not quite good enough. God's just not quite good enough. I mean, I got to see that person. I got to feel that experience instead of realizing that God's desire is to be all of that. So a lasting identity, the lasting identity in Christ is what transforms your marriage. It transforms the way you think of marriage. You no longer start trying to become something you're not to impress your wife or to impress your coworker, or to impress someone else. No, you work hard as unto the Lord because the only person you care about is Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is so difficult. It's so easy for me to say those words. But, it, but the reality of our truth is that is the battle of the flesh and the spirit. This is what we are asking you to die to. So, men, this is the truth. The identity. Now we're at four minutes after eight o'clock already, honey.
2: Good thing we cut 10 pages
1: off my lesson. My yes, <laughs> we, we have. And even this next one, I think we should just cut off and go to our last one and we'll fill this in somewhere else.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm totally good on that. I'm
1: liking that. See, because what's we, great we, about being coworkers is we can make executive decisions.
2: Okay. Let's go to the action steps. Let's do that. Um, we we know that there's got to be some takeaway for you as you think about um, how you're going to improve your marriage um, or how you can improve relationships that are around you that you often don't have control maybe over that other person, again, a coworker, a boss, somebody like that, maybe even a wayward child.. Um, so we want to be proactive and just give you some things to think about. And I told Ron, you know what? If everybody leaves, they kind of like leave and they won't do it. So we, we want to try to give you a few minutes right here while we're sitting here. So our first action step is um, God's word must be the final say in your marriage, in any relationship you have, that you align your life with the truths in God's word. Um, so we want you to... Is you're going to be sitting here, these couple of things, and we're going to give some minutes. But the first one is write a list. Um, I think, did we put it on the screen? You did not. Oh, yeah, we did. Make oh, a list of biblical truths oh, wow. that you practice in your marriage. Um, and for those of you who are single, and for those of you maybe who are um, without a spouse who is a believer, it's still the things that you can apply toward your marriage. Marriage or relationship, regardless of what the other person does. So, um, a couple things that we kind of just to give you an idea of what we're saying is, um, we aren't going to mention divorce. We aren't going to yell or degrade. We're not going to name call. It's one thing to get in an argument. It's another thing to name call and slander someone and put them down, Um, like you you make this decision, you will not do this. Um, maybe another one, a biblical truth would be, we will be faithful to the word of God by serving, um, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We're going to serve in our church. We're going to not just be attenders. Um, we're going to have a biblical worldview, and we're going to teach that in our home. Um, we'll commit to prayer and Bible reading. Like Those are biblical truths that you can think about, um, and those are just to give you an example. The next one would be um, to make a list of Real do you want quick. to say it? Yeah,
1: Yeah. Sure. The reason why we want you guys to do this is because as you're setting the foundation again towards what we're going to talk in the weeks to come, it's important then the two of you as you're writing these things down that you think are true. Okay? Because remember, most of the time the reason we have arguments is because one person assumes something to be true. Right? We just assume it to be true, and then, but we really didn't write it down. We didn't really discuss it. So by doing this... You're writing them down, your spouse is writing them down, and you put them together and you realize, okay, these are truths we actually think and acknowledge as to be truthful, okay? That's really important.
2: Yes, and even a single person can, like, when I'm trying to have relationships, what are the things that I know to be true about the things that I can be in a relationship?
3: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Um, Then the next action step is to make a list of biblical truths that you struggle to practice in your marriage. Um, so some ideas along this line is um, we get angry and we don't resolve it, okay? So you're struggling. You know the truth, but you're struggling with that. We don't prioritize um, giving, giving our time to God, giving our lives to God, giving our finances to God. Um, we covet, and therefore we are in debt. We have unwise spending. Uh, we withhold intimacy as a way to punish um, another person. We prioritize work or our hobbies. Um, Camping, whatever, on the weekend over um, God and our family. Um, Another thing is, even when we just think about being wise with our time, being good stewards, is we spend excessive time watching television, movies, binging on Netflix, uh, playing video games, scrolling social media. um, And we really spend little to no time in God's Word, in prayer, doing things that actually would enhance our relationship. So.
1: Absolutely. So the reason why we want you to do the, this homework this week or even tonight when you go home is because the truth is this, oftentimes we're going to find out the root of the issue. Uh, one of the things that I'm really excited about, about uh, this prepare and Enrich uh, uh, mentoring program that we're getting, going to be doing for everybody that wants to, is that it, it starts to get to the root or the heart of the issue. It's not the argument you had yesterday. That's not... That's not really the problem. No. The problem is not this or that. The problem stems much deeper than that. Most of the time, it, it, it stems clear to the soul. And in our relationship, it really, for me, it stemmed clear back to my childhood and how I was brought up and, and how I was a very defensive person because of what I had gone through. And it wasn't until my wife says year 29 of our marriage <laughs> that we had a breakthrough.
2: <laughs> there is hope. There is hope. <laughs> if you think, man, I am year three and I am still praying, I want you to know I was praying. And I think it would have been amazing had God done that in year five, but he didn't do it until year 29. So I just didn't quit praying. Well, I
1: was already excellent <laughs> up until year 29. And then I went to a whole nother level. Right. And uh,
2: that's what it was.
1: <laughs> there you go. That's exactly I'll right. i give it to you. That's absolutely true. Guys, the truth is this. If you cannot also laugh about the reality and the truth and you can't find yourself loving your wife enough when, you fin- when you're in the middle of a disagreement, half the time when we're arguing, then somebody will just start laughing like, what are we doing? This is silly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you, you have to realize the magnitude or the, the, the real end game you're trying to get when you're trying to win an argument. What is the end game? You know, one of the things that uh, we were talking about after she had her heart attack recently was just it just all of a sudden wakes you up like, what in the world do you spend your time doing? Like, what is really important if you thought your day was over tomorrow? Would it change the way you live or treat each other? Would it change your feelings? And it was really, it was just really good. Well, yeah, and you also think, what
2: is the way that I influence people? Um, And I just want to say, so, so many of you, I have just been inundated with just cards and flowers and, you know, little things that I can do while I'm bored um, because I'm just supposed to pretty much try to do nothing, but I even set a schedule for my nothing time, so I'm pretty bad at doing nothing. <laughs> I have no defense when my And especially, does.
1: yeah, she just got permission to get out of nothing time, so that's not <laughs> good.
2: But anyhow, the idea is just um, when you're in those moments, you really just can look at life and just, how am I influencing people? And so many of you have just shared, you know, this is what you've taught me, and this is... And and that's when it matters, you know, what are you doing with your life? How are you spending it? How are you serving the Lord in everything that you do, in all the relationships that you have? And, you know, you just have those moments that you get a wake-up call and you're grateful and you want to continue to try to do better. So your relationship with your spouse is one of them to focus on. So, Do we have a few minutes that we can work on this in our prayer time?
1: Uh, we can. We're going to take just a minute to break down in groups of prayer. You know we do that on Wednesday nights. You can work on your lists or so forth. Uh, but I, again, I just want to thank you and encourage you. We're going to just spend a moment in prayer, and then we're going to get back together. I'll close in prayer, and we'll, and we'll leave the day. We want to remind you to go online and, and ask your questions. We're also going to probably, because uh, I had like seven pages of notes still left tonight. Um, <laughs> We're going to try to do some podcasts through this as well. So if you have some great questions, we might answer them online and send them out through Facebook. But the truth is this, guys. Men, I want to just leave you with this one nugget. That you are the house, men of the house. And one of the things that we we didn't get to, and, and I just truly feel like I want you to be praying about this, is that you were created to lead and protect your home. And protection is not having a gun in the closet. Protection is protection from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so I just want you to be thinking about how well you're protecting your marriage, your wife, your kids, yourself from the enemy. But let's just take a moment and yeah. uh, let's finish in prayer. You guys can be working on your lists. And uh, then we'll pray and close and, and we'll dismiss.
2: Another thing we do, I'm just going to say this. But, oh, sorry.
3: sorry. You
1: did come out.
2: Yeah. Um, oh, we, we hold hands when we pray. And if you don't hold hands with your spouse or a friend that you care about, it's a good thing to do. So hold hands and pray.